0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Make the Market Podcast, the home of content marketing secrets. I'm Lawrence Chapman and the content lead here at Accent Garside. In the manufacturing industry, customer relationships are essential to long-term success and sustainability. Beyond the production of goods, building and maintaining meaningful connections with clients is paramount to understanding and meeting the user needs of your target market. Content marketing plays a key role in enhancing your customer relationship strategy, delivering client satisfaction. Improving customer attention and paving the way for repeat business. And in this episode, I'm thrilled to be joined by Eric Mansour, Head of Product Marketing at ZyFlow. Eric's a distinguished business leader with more than 20 years of experience spanning product, marketing, and global operations. Before joining ZyFlow, he held product marketing leadership roles at Crayon, USA Today, Local IQ. WordStream, and Nanogins, and specializes in building teams and processes to drive business value and customer relationships. Thanks so much for joining me, Eric.
1: Thank you for having me, Lawrence. I'm very, very excited to be on the Make and Market podcast.
0: Well, so just to kind of uh, kickstart our conversation conversation on how we can use content to build customer relationships, and just quite keen to understand how manufacturers can use content marketing to showcase their business values, their personality, but most importantly, how can they use it to support the customer base?
1: It's a great question. Uh, I find that a lot of content marketing now has become quite utilitarian. That is to say that uh, if somebody is uh, in their either home office or in, uh, in working with colleagues, working on a project themselves, they if they don't know how to do something, they have to make it look like they do to their, their superiors or to, to their bosses and colleagues. So they'll go online to Google or your favorite search engine and type in uh, the question that they're looking to have answered. And that's really content marketing, where you appear within the the, the search engine results and the answer to that question that you provide to somebody for free. That is a tremendous amount of value, particularly if you as a, a manufacturing company have a particular take on that response, whatever it happens to be. So really, content marketing for me starts with the customer base. What are the biggest questions that our customers are looking to answer, whether it be using our products, using our tools, whatever it is that we create, what are they looking to to solve for? And do we have a, a, a take or a position on that particular concept that we can then create some content and share that with them? One thing I will note that the second most searched search engine on the planet after Google is YouTube so do not neglect video as part of your content strategy and and in ways of solving those problems solving those answering those questions that people may have because a lot of those answers are going to be coming from your customer base the people using your tools and then you know being able to translate that into 500 words or less or a, a three to five minute video is going to pay dividends uh, in my opinion
0: I'm glad that you mentioned video. Uh, to be honest, um, well, first and foremost, um, you know, it is such a an important format um, that manufacturers can leverage for their content marketing strategy. But um, also, it segues into what will follow. Um, but, you know, what will probably follow your episode as well, Eric. Uh, we've got a, a guest coming on uh, to discuss video marketing. So that's really it is a, a critical part of any content strategy. Just having that mm-hmm. creation, uh, I think, in manufacturing industries in particular. Um, there can almost be um, a tendency to go with the more traditional routes, uh, you know, blogs, white papers, ebooks, and so on. Oh, yeah. Um, But it's su- you know it's super important to diversify and make sure that you're getting that type of you know different types of content um, into your strategy.
1: And that's not to say that blogs and white papers are a bad thing, but it demands a certain level of attention that. Uh, that a reader has to devote to it that a video viewer may not. You know, I I can basically be doing work while having the video playing in another browser window and I'm sort of listening and absorbing. Most people are multitaskers now and having a a video based format, even some of your biggest or best, most well-trafficked blog posts or most well-trafficked white papers, chunking those down into videos that you can, you know, produce relatively inexpensively. Um, will will be a massive, you know, and increase the reach of the content that you're looking to deliver.
0: Yeah, sure. And even from a time perspective, I guess. Um, I mean, in in my previous roles and and here at Axan Garside as well, just taking that, um, you know, taking that content and almost like repurposing it into, as you say, smaller digestible chunks and just working. I mean, it comes back to something that I say quite a lot. You know, working smarter, not harder. You know, if you've got a really great piece of content and you can turn it into something that can be, you know, turned into, you know, a script or a video and so on and so forth, you know, why not that? People view is cheating. I don't want to
1: get everybody hungry here, but uh, I'll roast a chicken and then I'll take the, the, the chicken and I'll put it in a pot and I'll make chicken stock. I'll take that chicken stock and I'll use it to make uh, stuffing for Thanksgiving, to make gravy for Thanksgiving. Once Thanksgiving is done, all of those leftovers become hot turkey sandwiches or turkey pot pie. And then the carcass of that turkey becomes turkey stew that I can use some of the chicken stock with. And the same thing goes for content marketing. You do a great podcast with somebody, they come up with a tremendous idea. Double click on that and that becomes a great blog post. And then you've got a basically a sound bite or a sound clip that can uh really, you know, drive drive traffic from LinkedIn to that blog post. Hey, for more on this topic, click here. You know, basically everything that you're doing, you're not necessarily creating leftovers, but you're having the one source material be, you know create a compounding effect and and a, a ripple effect of additional content that can radiate out from that, if that makes any sense.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um as I said, big, big advocate of, you know, content repurposing, um, it, it, yeah, we, um, we did a, a webinar, um, a few weeks ago, um, we called it driving the content, uh, was the, a content machine. Um, and
1: yeah.
0: um, I think that is a super part, a super important part of, of content marketing, um, and, and the strategies that go with it hundred mm-hmm. percent. So, um, in terms of, um, customer relationships um itself and using content to build, um, you know, you know, such, such relationships, um, It's a big part of it um, is built on the foundations of trust. So how can manufacturers use content to generate trust amongst their respective market um, and build it between the company and the target audience?
1: So trust starts before you've even had a touchpoint with this particular potential customer, right? It's about ranking relatively highly on the search engine results page, even paying for those positions using uh, search engine marketing, you know, making, making sure that your brand is sort of lodged in the brains of your potential target market. And then, when eventually they have that question that they need to have answered, they know that they can go to your uh, blog or to your website as a source of truth because they've seen the name enough to know that there's there's a, a tremendous amount of value that's being provided there to to somebody, including the potentially them. And then, once they become a customer, or at least where they're in the in the in the funnel, uh, the sales funnel to eventually become a customer, that's when your sales team can use that content to continue driving the conversation forward. You know, Lawrence, there's nothing worse to me when I'm, you know, in market for potentially buying a, whether it be a piece of software or any number of different things, to have a sales rep or a business development rep email me with just checking in. That doesn't provide me any value. So if they've learned something from my discovery conversation with them or they've they've captured some level of detail and then they can email me to check in but with you know a piece of that content that's going to make me think oh they they understand my needs they they recognize the unique challenges that I have and they're continuing to provide me content and source it for me and del- hand deliver it to me or e-deliver it to me um, with uh, with that level of detail. And then when you get to the customer side of things that's when your customer success team or whoever your account manager is still trying to take uh, you know, own control of that or own that relationship and still try to you know use the content that the team is providing, whether it be through a newsletter or through one-to-one reach outs, quarterly business reviews, that type of thing to be able to say, hey, we're developing this new white white paper. it's still in the in the um, in the development phase do these align with some of your challenges? Do do these, uh, the the points that we're making here, do they address specifically what it is that you're, you're working on? So, you know, whether it be a, um, a, a reactive approach or even a proactive approach, find your 10 best customers or those you have the best relationships with and start creating content around what it is that they're seeing in the market, because frankly, they're the ones who have their finger on the pulse the best, of your market uh, the folks that are actually uh, purchasing your product. So, I think trust is something that, you know, to, to sum it up, you know, starts at the top when you're trying to just to really grow brand awareness and 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 you know, brand recognition all the way down to, you know, maintaining customer relationships and using them as a fountain or as a source of content because they they know their business better than anybody else and they are more than willing to tell you about it.
0: Yeah, sure. And that kind of, you know, it's a nice segue into what I was going to ask you next to you Eric. So um a big part of that, I imagine, is, you know, creating content that is authentic and human-centric. So um have you got any tips for creating um you know content that aligns with those principles that in essence you know, creating content that your customers can truly relate to
1: a lot of it comes down to buyer personas or user personas you know the biggest difference there and i'm a product marketer so personas are sort of my my stock and trade my bailiwick as it were um personas i think are are important in that you know it's not necessarily the job title you primarily sell to it is the motivating factor for the reason why they buy or the reason why they use your product so if you have a a pretty well hemmed in view of your buyer personas the those that are actually in market that are signatories or those who are going to be buying your goods and services or those that are using them. So, in in this case, if you're talking about children's toys, moms and dads are the buyers, but the users are the kids. You have to pay attention to both usability and sellability. Um, I think that's really where a lot of that uh, that content, that that customer voice, that you know that that human centricity comes from. What are the motivating factors for this buyer or this user? Wear that hat as you're developing that content. And identifying ultimately and speaking to arguably their biggest needs, what their motivating factors are for seeking out this content and potentially, you know, being in market for your uh, for your stuff.
0: Yeah, sure. And um, once those personas have almost been created and established, how can manufacturers go about striking the balance between creating content for a lead generation B nurturing existing customer relationships and C striking or sorry, creating relationships with prospective new
1: customers. Yeah, it's it's all about the, the the marketing funnel. So your top of funnel stuff is going to be those things we talked about at the top of the podcast. That the, the burning questions that somebody who may not necessarily be in market for your product or service, but they certainly know that they have a problem. So they're just basically working on problem identification. Uh, how can I solve this uh, in house without having to to buy something? You know, where is um, uh, understanding where the where the challenges are. And then middle funnel is, hey, they're, they've pretty basically decided that, uh, that there, is a, there are solutions out there for their needs that they could potentially buy. So that middle funnel stuff is sort of directing them, pointing them in the right direction for uh, what it is they, they, could, they could source and, and potentially purchase in order to solve that issue. So you're making more direct reference to your products, perhaps within the pantheon of a whole host of other products that, that may be either competitive or uh, complementary. And then the lower funnel stuff where it's like, hey, specifically our products are good for this reason or our products fit within to the the broader uh, scope of what it is you're buying for this purpose this is you know we we uh, us plus this solves this uh problem together if there's some sort of combination or partnership there so you're you're really identifying what the persona is and where they are in the sort of the customer life cycle or the marketing life cycle are they identifying what it is they that they need or identifying at least the problem uh recognizing that they that there is a solution out there for their problem, or actually doing the hardcore research to uh, verify that this is the solution that they need to purchase. So just do that through the lens of personas. And then suddenly you've got yourself a bit of a content strategy, sprinkle in the top of funnel stuff, do a little bit of the mid funnel stuff and really empower the sales team, your account executives and BDRs, with the lower funnel stuff as people are in that verification and selection process.
0: Sure. and And how important is it for um, manufacturers to almost like apply what would be considered, I guess, like a like a consistent approach to the brand messaging to make sure that um I, I don't know uh, you know does that you know help the the messaging obviously like resonate more with the with the target audience does it, it you know enhance that element of you know building relationships at all.
1: A lot of it's about you know testing, rinsing, and repeating. So first things first, come up with a content strategy. Whatever your strategy is for a particular year, and maybe you can chunk it into quarters and stick to that. So this is our content strategy. You know, Q1 is about growth, uh, you know, new beginnings, a new year. Q2 is about, you know, maintaining and, and getting things ready for what could be a summer boom. Uh, boom. Q3, you know, any number of different reasons. And Q4 is about planning and anticipating what's going to happen in the next year. You know, there there could be themes there. And again, I pulled those out of nowhere. But then develop those strategies on a quarterly basis and sort of, you know, lay the groundwork. You don't necessarily have to have introducing our Q1 strategy as a blog post, but you can basically, you know, touch upon some of those same themes throughout that quarter. And then once you've got that thing rolling, you know, talk to your customers about it and verify. And hey, are are we, are we, excuse me. Are we saying the right things with this messaging? Are we are we hitting the nail on the head, or is this way out there too esoteric, too you know, uh, our founders or our our, our presidents, our CEOs, our, uh, our our internal thoughts, anecdotal evidence that we're getting from one or two customers as opposed to the the larger customer base we're trying to sell to? So a lot of it's about planning testing and really verifying with your customers. And as we spoke about earlier, if you've built that level of trust and you sort of got your, 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 your circle of um, customers, circle of friends that you can go to on a regular basis, hey, hey, pressure test with this with me or double check that make sure we're not crazy. Um, I think that's gonna pay dividends, particularly when you're developing and refining and honing and optimizing a content strategy.
0: Are you ready to transform your manufacturing marketing strategy? Look no further. Introducing Manufacturing Marketing, Strategies for Success. Your comprehensive guide to succeeding in the manufacturing landscape brought to you by Axon Garside. Uncover the evolution of manufacturing and its profound implications for your marketing approach and master the best practices you need to thrive in a crowded marketplace. Learn how to elevate your brand, nurture leads into bona fide customers and deploy powerful marketing tactics. And that's not all. Discover methods for measuring your marketing success, why inbound marketing can take your manufacturing marketing to unprecedented heights, why you really ought to introduce podcast marketing into your strategy, plus much more. It's essential, it's comprehensive, and it's free. Visit www.axengarside.com forward slash manufacturing marketing guide and begin your journey to manufacturing marketing excellence. You know, when looking at different types of content, I was like different content formats. Um, and I just wanted to hone in on on two in particular. So, what role can user generated content and social proof play? Um, when you know manufacturing companies are creating content that's geared towards building and maintaining customer relationships.
1: I like user generated content either at the top of the funnel, so marketing funnel. That is to say that. You know, it's a it's a user who is talking more broadly about their challenges and how they're looking to solve for them. So, you know, uh, apropos of having you know used your product or service, this was my life before this, and this is how I fixed my problem. So, whether it be a blog post or a video, any number of different things. Again, provide that value at top of funnel to build that trust with your potential customer, and then the lower funnel. That's when you use the types of you know whether it be review sites or you work with customers to create case studies or video based case studies testimonials, where they're actually speaking uh, in in uh, full voice and with positivity about your product or service, um, saying right down the barrel of a camera or to your writers that I cannot live without this product or service and I cannot I, there's there's no way I could move forward without using this so that's where i think user generated content and social proof really works best is when you've got either end of the spectrum either problem awareness or you know, creating the the building the pain and then actually sourcing and and solving the solution because i think a potential buyer wants to see you know a customer avatar or or visualize themselves uh, in somebody else that's why I always think case studies and customer testimonials should be very people centric. Um, so I think that's, that's probably my answer to your question, uh, Lawrence.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, in terms of was um, like firsthand experiences that you've had um, of seeing companies that you've either seen yourself or, you know, um, experienced firsthand. Um, can you think of any examples in particular that you've seen of content marketing in action that's just you know, really you know hit the nail on the head and you know absolutely, you know, hit the ball out of the park when it comes to building customer relationships. And what was it that was particularly memorable?
1: I will be totally upfront. i I sort of took a little bit of a dim view around content marketing because I had done so much work in the enterprise space for so, so long that I thought, okay, well, what which of my you know customers would actually read something like this were they to not uh, already be a customer of ours? Uh, and then I started working in the SMB and mid market space where so many people are trying to you know look to the internet to solve their problems. And the content that a company that I used to work for called WordStream provided to those SMB um, marketers was so invaluable. Our our email list. Uh, for when we release new blog posts or when we released, you know, our monthly newsletter was huge. I mean, tens, 20, 30, you know, th- tens of that hundred thousand people would be on the receiving end of this. When we publish a new blog post or when we compiled our, our posts for a particular uh, month, because they genuinely saw the value in what it is that we were saying. They may not necessarily ever buy WordStream the product, the software product, But they recognized that the the types of things we were saying throughout our content, whether it be pay-per-click advertising or um, search engine optimization or, you know, Google My Business Profile or any number of different things, uh, you know, time spent on site, inbound marketing, you name it, it was of great value to them. So. That's where I think the the whole notion of customer relationships was was built uh, and nurtured um, within that SMB and mid market space. And then from there, once I graduated from 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 SMB mid market into into uh, the enterprise, that's when I, it sort of was revealed to me that content does play a, a huge role in the upper echelons, the multi million dollar deals, because those those marketers themselves or, or the folks that I was selling to. They're also looking for solutions. They're also looking to identify, you know, ways to solve their problems using search, and uh, that's where content marketing. I think was, you know, my, my eyes were opened uh, having worked in the SMB and mid market space, and now I'm I'm a full throated believer in building customer relationships through content marketing um, in in the most memorable way possible.
0: And as far as content is. You know, so you need to obviously really make sure that you're hitting your audience in the right place and you know you you, know, you say for instance if you've got a company who doesn't make the most of I don't know um video content um you know or you know they don't they don't publish you know images or you know so on and so forth why would you get in touch with them or you know publish content on instagram for the first for instance um so, how can manufacturers make sure that they're populating like relevant channels that are actually, you know, applicable to their target market and creating touch points between them and their audience?
1: Uh, asking the question, frankly, I mean, it it seems absurd, but you know, I was just at a trade show a couple of weeks ago, and you know, we would frequently ask the question, "Hey, are, just out of curiosity, are you on Instagram? Do you see advertising from?" You know potential B two B by, you know uh, companies on on Instagram. What about what about LinkedIn? Is, is X still a thing? Do people actually post things on X anymore? What about Facebook? Uh, is TikTok a thing for you or for, for your? Uh, would that influence you in any way? You know you you really have to ask your your potential customer base or your current customer base and identify what watering holes they are are are, are finding. You know there's a whole host of you know Quora Reddit. Um, a whole host of other sort of ancillary, but but also very valuable social networks that you may need to be a part of, forums uh, of, of all different uh, types and stripes. And, and those exactly, as I mentioned, trade shows could be a great source of both content delivery, but also content acquisition. So one thing that I'm doing at Zyflow is, you know, we'll go and we'll sort of parachute into some of these in- industry events, Adobe Summit, the Henry Stewart Creative Operations events and we'll shoot videos sort of person on the street or Vox Populi videos, asking our targeted audiences questions specifically about what it is they're trying to solve for. So it's that social proof. It's that, you know, answering the questions that people are dying to know the answers to. Hey, that person's just like me. They're having the same problems I have. So identifying where those content areas happen to be, where their watering holes are, and then developing a content that is really specific to those personas I think is super important, and you can't always do the same. You can't do it all. So you know, just because your your kid uses TikTok doesn't mean your potential uh, buyer is. So if your CEO comes to you and says, "What's our TikTok strategy?" you can say confidently, "Well, the twenty five thirty people that I talk to on a pretty frequent basis, they don't use TikTok, or it doesn't influence their you know manufacturing their their buying decisions for products and services nearly as much as the other channels that we can develop on do. So we should focus on those." Does that answer your question, Lawrence?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So um, just to kind of round things off, to be honest, uh, Eric, it's been a, you know, a great conversation, really enjoyed it. Um, last thing from me. So I was just wondering how manufacturers can ensure the ongoing value um, post-conversion, um, and specifically what types of content can be used to maintain customer interest, reduce churn, um, and also foster customer retention? Those are the
1: the bread and butter of what I would consider customer marketing. So how do you identify content? How do you, you know, put together a content strategy to turn customers into advocates into sort of, um, enthusiasts or evangelists for your, for your product? Some of that is listening, not just telling. So, you know, convening sort of a, um, a, a virtual or in person sort of customer get together or in doing a roadshow and really showing showing the customer what it is that you're looking to achieve over the next two to three to four quarters from a development perspective hey here's here's what we're working on and it may not necessarily be your product roadmap. But it could be, hey, exposure to executives or, you know, learning and understanding about, you know, what it is those customers are dealing with. And then talks about, hey, here's what we anticipate. Again, not opening the books, not showing, you know, the board presentation, but saying, hey, here's what we're seeing to growth in certain areas, certain sectors. And that is of of great interest to a lot of customers. So listening to what they have to say and then telling them what, you know, we think you think they would like to hear increases the partnership aspect. It becomes less about a, an invoice they pay every month or every quarter or every year. It becomes more about a, well, gosh, they genuinely seem to care about me. They're developing new products and solutions for me. They're listening to what I have to say. They're seeking out my opinion in in, in that I have one. And then they're being a little bit more forthright than perhaps other companies, other vendors I work with about what it is that they're doing, whether it be areas of expansion, whether it be opening a new factory, whether it be, you know, developing uh, in other parts of the world, uh, developing nations and otherwise. I think that really goes a long way to developing that customer to advocate, advocate to enthusiast or evangelist, because they feel like they're more part of a partnership conversation as opposed to simply a a vendor-buyer relationship, if that makes any sense.
0: Absolutely. Eric? Thank you so, so much for your time. That was absolutely, you know, amazing chat. So um, all I can say is all the very best for the rest of 2023. Can't believe we're going into December already. And um, obviously 2024 as well.
1: Lawrence, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And uh, can't wait to hear it when uh, when we publish it.
0: Thanks very much, Eric. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Make & Market Podcast. Please leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and share the show to help more manufacturers like you enhance their marketing strategies. If you're interested in joining me as a guest, please contact me at lawrence.chapman at axengarside.com. Don't forget to explore a wealth of manufacturing content on our website, www.axengarside.com, and join our live LinkedIn webinar, Marketing Rev Up, hosted by our Head of Marketing, Rob White, every other Wednesday. For the latest updates, hit the subscribe button on your chosen platform and stay tuned for more upcoming episodes.